Only on a Sunday, a podcast about more than church. Welcome to the Only on a Sunday podcast. My name is Daniel Lowry, and I'm joined by my wife, Kristen. Hello. This season, we are focusing on reimagining prayer. What does prayer look like in terms of Jesus' invitation to abide in him and his directive to live out our spiritual authority in bringing about the Great Commission? This episode, we have the privilege of Sureka and Krishani Hulugal joining us. Sureka and Krishani Hulugal are the national leaders of Foursquare Great Britain since October 2011. They arrived in the UK in 1998 as a missionary couple from Foursquare Sri Lanka and have since been involved in church planting, missions, training, and building up of leaders. Sureka's passion is to help people shine by experiencing freedom and unity in loving God and loving people. Together as a couple, they minister and teach church leaders not only in the UK, but also internationally. Sureka is a master's graduate from Mattersea Hall, in the UK in practical theology. They currently live in Dunstable, England with their two sons, Sean and Shamindra. Welcome, guys. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. We are so privileged to oh. have you from across the pond, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, this season we're focusing on prayer and the, the kind of two aspects that we're, we're looking at is the abiding prayer and that invitation that Jesus gives us to abide in him. And so what does that look like in our prayer times, right? So we've mm. talked a lot about that. And then the other part of it is Jesus says, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. And that kind of outworking of that abiding prayer, which we're talking about in terms of activating prayer, where our prayer life is strategic and intentional towards the kingdom and seeing the kingdom grow, seeing the kingdom birthed in people's hearts. Mm-hmm. And so one of the reasons that I wanted to invite you both is, you know, we have a longstanding relationship. So I love you guys. So I've, I've been in your home and and thank you so much. And and you gave me the tour of London um, <laughs> when it was uh, when it was raining, downpouring dark and ugly. And I thought, well, I mean, this is pretty, you know, this is this is. This is a, a real London right here. <laughs> a bright summer day. <laughs> yeah, bright summer day, right? And then to make it even more real, you took me to a Chinese all-you-can-eat buffet. And I thought, man, I'm getting the true English. <laughs> this is a forget the tea and crumpets. I'm getting I'm getting what London is really like, right? Right. That's right. <laughs> Uh, the insider. But, uh, the inside yes, group. yes. I mean that at all serious. I'm like, this is how people in London really live and eat. And you did take me to get tea and stuff. So that was fun. Yes. Uh, I try. I, I try to do my little finger, but it just doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't right. work. Um, I think Krishana, you told me to stop and just enjoy the cup of tea. <laughs> um, but when we're talking about praying for a nation, we're talking about praying to you know really see the kingdom move, to see the presence presence of God kind of come, I can't think of two better people than than you two and the grace that the Lord has given you in your nation and being part of a lot of the prayer movements that are there and seeing what's happening in Dunstable and your congregations and seeing Foursquare Great Britain really just grow and expand the kingdom, you know, seeing more churches come. So yeah, thank you for joining us. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. It's going to be fabulous. So let's get started, yes? Yes. 
Yes. We good? All right. So first thing we want to do is funny, funny prayer story. Krishani, Sureka, whoever wants to go first, give us something to laugh at. Okay. Okay. Sureka will go first. Yeah, I'll go first. This happened, you know, many years ago when we were youth pastors and our youth was going through a revival. And so, you know, we had this young guy who gets saved, kind of, you know, straight off the street kind of thing. And so he joins us in a time of prayer. And suddenly he starts cursing the devil with the whole alphabet. (laughs) (laughs) And literally, the the prayer meeting came to a standstill because everyone's like, what? That's amazing. <laughs> that is so, so great. Yeah. So that's like one of the many, many, many stories that yeah, we have. Yeah. And we can always look back and laugh and exactly. uh, you know, yeah. at, uh, what God was doing. So yeah. we, we had another incident where we were we were ministering at, at in Sri Lanka, this was. And there was this particular girl, she came up for prayer and she told Sureka, I was ministering to someone else, but she told Sureka, can you just pray for my baby? So obviously he he assumed that she was pregnant and, you know, went ahead and prayed. And after a couple of days, we were uh, walking on the, walking around in the city and suddenly a bike kind of weeks past me and the girl at the pillion who was seated at the passenger seat, she was like waving at me and the bike was pretty fast. So I was like, oh, there she, there goes that girl. And yeah. Sirika said, oh my gosh, she's, she's going on a, on a bike ride. And I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, that's I said, safe. Yeah. I said, you know, she's crazy. You know, she's, she's pregnant and you know, she's about to have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> and so, oh, what happened was after she got herself prayed, I I had a ch- uh, chat with her as well after that, and then I said pregnant, as you know, like I was asking, what did you mean? She said no, she wanted me to pray for her baby, and I said, I said she's not pregnant. <laughs> what she meant was she she was praying in faith. That she would get pregnant. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And, and, and her prayer was like, when the baby it comes, comes, the decisions I have to take. So, yeah. You know, me being a man, I'm like, okay, she's pregnant. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the best thing, it was not just me, but even a couple of our leaders. Back home, all, yeah. All believed that she was pregnant when she was not. <laughs> oh, okay. dear. Yeah. So, so. Just like a man, Sureka, we don't listen long enough to see. No. <laughs> Just like, well, okay, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah because you know, I have, I have I have been in the situation where I've asked somebody, "Are you pregnant?" and and the lady is not, so I yeah. just kind of zip up and that's it. You know? Yeah, we, we, we had, remember, Kristen, we had a rule at our church. We never pray right. for babies and we don't pray for weddings. Like, right, those, that's are the, right. those are the two things we do not pray for. <laughs> well, not that we don't pray. We were talking like you never prophesy like you're going yeah, to have nope. a baby. You're going to get married, right? Never. No. Just don't do it. Don't nope. do it. Don't do it. No. Oh. Well, thanks, guys. Ministry is a funny place. Life, praying for people is a funny, funny place. Um, yeah. So first place I'd love to get started is just to hear a little bit about your journey to the UK from Sri Lanka and just kind of what what the Lord was doing there and your obedience. So yeah, can you just share with our listeners how you got to the UK and really kind of fulfilling your calling and mission to bring about yeah. the presence of God in the UK? Yeah, the Lord had always laid on our hearts that He would have a global vision mm. for us. Mm. And that was a prophecy that I 
had received in my early early uh, stages mm. of uh, mm. being a Christian, which, you know, to me, it was like, this is far and beyond. And, you know, I don't even understand what this is. I was also working for a global pharmaceutical company as the head of their computer department. And at the same time, I was also pastoring a church in Colombo. So I was kind of bivocational. And out of the blues, our head office, which was in London, wanted me transferred to come and take over a position, which was a promotion to be responsible for the whole of Europe. Job-wise, it was great, but our church was going through a revival (laughs) and people were getting saved, like, you know, 15, 20 people a week. Wow. And, you know, that's the pastor's dream. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, that's amazing. (laughs) And so for me, it's like, this is the devil, (laughs) you know? (laughs) I'm not uh, going. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That, that yeah. was my son. Well, I, I told the Lord, Lord, if this is really you, I need to know it for definite. And so Krishani said, I think this is what the Lord's opening for us as a stepping stone into what he spoke over you. Mm. But I said, well, if this is him, he better talk to me. <laughs> and I can, I can be a bit stubborn in that, in that way. Mm. So to cut a long story short, this is in 98. And, you know, I came to England, they got me down, I came and saw the job. Month later, they said, hey, we want to give your family a holiday. Mm-hmm. So Krishani and Chan was brought down, you know, they saw London, we saw houses, because everything was going to be provided for us. Mm-hmm. And, but the Lord have not clearly spoken to us. All that we sensed was wait, yeah, wait. And so, you know, and I had to report to work on the 1st of May of 98. But come 1st of April, there was nothing. So I wrote to the head office and said, and I declined the offer. Wow. And my directors were like, you have just committed professional suicide because they, said they reached out to you. You know, mm. they bypassed protocol mm. and they named you and wanted you there and you have just snubbed them. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you know, that's my decision because of, you know, where my faith is. And they were like, yeah, you and your faith and your church. <laughs> and you know, oh, kind no. of, Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I was quite happy about it. And then at the end of April, we went for a worship conference and it was a team from the UK. Interesting. <laughs> and mm. I heard the audible voice of God during a time of ministry. <laughs> mm. And I thought I need to get myself prayed because I thought I, I was losing it. <laughs> 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 So I, I went up for prayer and this pastor who has never seen me, he looks at me and says, is your wife here with you? And I said, yeah. She said, can you call her? Because she needs to hear what I'm going to prophesy over you. And he begins to prophesy literally word for word what I heard the Lord talk to me. Wow. And so, you know, we are driving back home and I'm like, yeah, we need to go. But then we realized I had declined the offer. <laughs> <laughs> and interestingly i had not heard from the company they had not responded so you know i i thought they were pretty mad at me but so this is a friday so i go back to the office on monday and i thought look i'm gonna write to them and say is it still open Mm. but when i go back to the office on monday there's an email waiting for me and the company said look we understand and so we have decided to keep your opportunity open it was going to be open and until we decided when we wanted to come. Now, wow. if that was on the Lord, you yeah. know. <laughs> right. 
you know, oh global companies, you know, global companies don't do that. <laughs> right. I was going to say that's amazing. <laughs> and so July 28, 1998, we landed in the UK and that was the beginning of a, of a journey here in the UK. It's been a great journey, but it's been, you know, we have had tough times. We have yeah. had trials. Yeah. We've had moments that we wanted to give up, mm. but we've always gone back to that moment that the Lord spoke to us and said, no, we've not made a mistake. Mm. Even mm. though it was hard, we've not made a mistake. Mm. So in a nutshell, that's, that's our journey in coming to the UK. And then five years later, I gave up my work because I took over a church, planted a second church, and I had to make a decision whether it was church or work. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, it's been a great journey. Well, you know, one of the things you mentioned in your story was how much your own prayer life and the words that the Lord had given you really undergirded your calling and, and your ministry and the location and how you were going to do things. Can you share with us just a little bit about your understanding of, you know, abiding prayer, abiding with Jesus, and, and just kind of how that looks in your life and how it's looked in your life over the course of your ministry years? For, for both of us, it's been almost a lifestyle. You know, what it says in John 15 about abiding. For many years, for me personally, I never understood how can I just sit and wait? What does it mean for me to just intertwine myself into, into the presence of God? And even through coming from Sri Lanka into, into this country and, you know, completely a new aspect of culture, of everything. And then going into this place of prayer, because for both of us, we have learned even in the early years of our marriage, we went through so much. Uh, I would say the first year of, of I mean, first, first week, day. first day, first week. <laughs> uh, just to put a put a background to how we learned to abide was in the sense of during our honeymoon, Sreka's mom suddenly passed away, oh. and this was me coming into a new family, a new home, and then from there, the day we buried her. She, uh, I mean, the whole nation, the whole city went underwater and my oh. house went underwater. <laughs> oh my and, gosh. And it was my, our first night, my first night in, the, in their parents' home. And it was like, what is happening? And I believe at those crucial points was where God embedded that spirit of prayer in us as a young couple. I mean, yeah. we were very, very, I mean, he was 25, I was 20, you know, but, you know, so that concept of prayer and abiding in him started off there because we didn't have a home. We didn't have furniture. Everything was ruined. Yeah. For wow. almost a year, we learned what it meant to abide. Yeah. Also, what Krishani forgot to mention is that we literally lost everything including yeah. our finances. Wow. Oh my gosh. So the Lord taught <laughs> yeah, us yeah. what it meant to pray yes. for your food. Mm, wow. And, and to expect a miracle mm -hmm. to happen. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, when you're in a situation where everything has been stripped away, you only have the Lord to lean on. Yeah. And we, we have so many stories of, yeah. you know, we prayed and suddenly there's a knock on the door and there's food outside. Wow. And so, you know, I wouldn't trade that season for anything. Yeah. Because that's, right. that's where we learned about, you know, waiting on the Lord and, yeah. and praying and expecting the Lord to move. Yeah. 
And it's those supernatural things, you know, yeah. where you just know you don't have it physically, you don't see it, but you are going to just wait on him. And that was our journey of how we learned to abide even when we came here. So it, it was a very strong thing of you don't have everything. You don't have the answers. You can't physically touch it. But at the same time, I'm going to teach you what it means to stay in my presence because there you're going to find all the answers. And literally we have, even to this day, yeah. you know, abiding in his presence is what is keeping us together as a couple, as a family, because that's the reality. Exactly. And it stems out of our intimacy and relationship yeah, with him. That is, the, that is the heart of what mm. abiding prayer is, mm. that he calls you into that secret place. Mm. And, yeah. and that's why, you know, Jesus said, you know, when you even go into a room, you know, close the yeah, door right. yeah. because, you know, you meet with the father mm. in secret. And, and it's like the father has prepared a place that is a, a secret place mm. for each and every one of us. Mm. And he wants us, he wants to meet us in that very place mm. so that everything then flows out of that. Yeah, and I think That's it's really, beautiful. I think, encouraging for, for people to know that we can kind of look at you both today as the national leaders of Foursquare UK and you travel about the world. And we both know that it's not true, but it's this glorious yeah. <laughs> kind of thing, right? Like we know that that's not actually yeah. the yeah. case, right? Yeah. But abiding in prayer, you didn't learn on the stage at conferences, right? You learned as young, dumb, 25 and 20 year old kids who had nothing. And I think that's really encouraging for people that are listening is that abiding prayer is not for the spiritual elite and for the leaders, right? It is for the believer in Jesus Christ. That's right. And I heard a friend, a friend once told me when I was going through my own rough times, he says, you're, you're looking at this as like, you know, circumstances are bad. What you should be doing is looking at it as an opportunity for grace. Mm. Right? The worse it is, it's the more of an opportunity for grace. And that's really the heart of what you guys are talking about in learning in that journey. So thank you for sharing that. Beautiful. The thing that comes to my mind is how, I mean, particularly in the U.S., church is kind of big and flashy and we go by big numbers or, you know, we have some metrics that have gotten into how we do church. And in fact, this last week, you know, another mega pastor fell from grace. And so the thing that makes me think that comes to my mind is how God uses small things, right? It's small things. It's it's not the, and you guys are awesome on stage. I've, I've been in conferences when you're speaking and you're amazing and it's definitely a wow factor, but it's because you had small things, mm, right? Yeah. And you yeah. remained faithful through that. And anyway, I love yeah. your story. So yeah. just to let you guys know, it's not a real podcast until Kristen starts crying. Right. So now we've officially we've officially entered real podcast. <laughs> but you know, it's it all flows out of that. Yeah. You know, and you kind of said, yeah, you know, you you see the glamour, you see us traveling, etc. But see, none of that can be possible if our secret place is not protected. Mm. And I think, you know, Jesus, and, and you know, this is something that the Lord showed me through the scriptures recently, is that Jesus protected that secret place with him and the Father. That's right. 
Mm. Because, you know, like the disciples knew he was praying, Mm. but they never saw him in detail Mm. of how he was praying with the Father. Mm. Yeah. And that's because Jesus, that was Jesus and the Father. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we sometimes have lost the fact of protecting that secret place because Mm. everything else comes in and it steals that moment. Mm. But I believe the heart of the Father is to say, protect that because I'm protecting it for you and I. You know, if you, if you don't mind me even saying that, even in the cleansing of the temple, when Jesus came and, you know, he was so angry. He was angry because people were being robbed of the secret place, of encountering God, mm-hmm. of being in the presence. Mm-hmm. Because everything flows out of that. And, and when you look at like Matthew 21, Matthew records that, you know, when, when that was established, mm. when Jesus dealt with those distractions, you know, that's when true prayer came in. That's, that's right. when the word, the reality of the word came in. That's mm. when the supernatural came mm. in. That's when the life of faith comes in. Yeah. So, you know, we can't, we can't go towards the latter without the heartbeat of the abiding prayer. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, I was just thinking of that story where he overturns the temple. And I mean, what's the phrase that he uses for this shall be a house of prayer? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, you know, one of the things I've always appreciated about your teaching in our, not even your teaching, just our conversations of being together is your understanding of spiritual authority and the spiritual authority that the believer has. And and we've been really highlighting in this podcast how prayer is kind of a, a two sides of a coin. You know, on one side, it's the abiding prayer, which we've been talking about. But then the other side is that activating prayer, that kingdom prayer. And you can't have one without the other, right? Yeah. If you truly have abiding prayer, you're truly abiding with Christ it naturally moves over into that activating prayer. But one of the issues that I really see with people today is that not really understanding the authority that they have in Christ to pray for healing, to contend for miracles, Mm -hmm. to expect the presence of God, to believe that the Holy Spirit is at work in someone's life and will bring them to salvation, right? So can you just share with us a little bit about your understanding of of spiritual authority and, and our authority in Christ as believers? Yeah, sure. And, you know, again, it comes, you know, when you look at the Lord's Prayer, it's clearly stated mm. there. The Lord's Prayer was not just a, a prayer, but it was saying, hey, this is part of your lifestyle. Mm. You know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and that aspect was handed over to the believer. You know, out of the relationship we have, you know, Jesus gives us that authority because we represent him. And therefore, you know, we walk in that authority. And, and I think, you know, there's a lot of people who don't believe that or who don't understand that because they have a lack of understanding of their identity in him. And when we see Jesus calling us into that intimacy, and then it's almost like, you know, he says, now you go, you go, you represent me. When we look at the Great Commission, Jesus is saying, you know, I'm sending you. Mm. So, so we are the sent ones into the world. We are the sent ones into wherever he has placed us, whether it's mm. in school, whether it's down our street, that I am called to represent him. That's right. And to bring his presence That's and authority right. mm. wherever I go. Mm. You want to and, and something that has also is important is that when you know your identity of who you are in Christ, that makes a huge difference. Because even a six-year-old, when they know 
who's they are and whom they belong to. You know, that, that simple faith begins to come out of them and they begin to see things that even the adults don't see. And I think that is so key even in our walk with God and even those whom we uh, lead, that that we educate them to know who they are in Christ because that's the authority. When we know that authentic authority and know that I can make a difference, it changes everything. You know, even when I walk in on the street, I can pray and I will see results. Mm-hmm. You know, my my thinking changes, my my everything changes when I know who I am, that I am a child of the King. I mean, it excites me because this is, these are the things that Jesus wants us to walk, even even in times like this right now. You know, exactly. Yeah, because, amen. Especially in times like this, we can be influenced by what the media is saying yeah. and you know what the whole world is going through. Mm. And it's a, it's a, it's a tough season for many. Mm. You know, nations are struggling, but yet God has called us to represent Him, to represent His kingdom, to bring His kingdom into where we are. Yeah. And I think, you know, for us to walk in his authority saying, I need to know who I am. Mm. I need to know what I'm called into, yeah. what he has called me to. And I'm, I'm not talking about specific ministries, but I'm called to walk with his authority and bring his authority so that, you know, even with, with someone who is a homeless person, I can bring the authority of Jesus there. Mm. With my friends, I bring the authority of Jesus there. And it's about a lifestyle. Mm. You know, when, when Peter walked the streets, you know, the sick were brought so that his shadow will fall on them. You know, there was no magical thing about his shadow. Yeah. But he was walking in the authority of God. Mm. Yeah. He was walking and bringing the presence of God. Mm. And so that, you know, even when we come into a room, we can bring that authority. That's right. and, and I think, you know, knowing that he has given us his authority. Yeah. Mm. I think think that's the key aspect. Mm. Like, you know, Paul prays and says, you know, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, you know, in in Ephesians chapter one, Mm. so that we will know even, you know, what we have been called to, we will know even the resources he has given so that we function as the church. Mm. We function as the body of Christ. Mm. That's so good. Well, let me ask this. What if we just went one level deeper? Who are we in Christ? Like if someone's listening to this right now and they say, yes, you know, I, cognitively I understand, yes, I have the authority and I can walk in that. But really, who am I in Christ? Like, how do you answer that question for people? Like, what is the teaching that you give to people? Who are you in Christ? I think it starts with I'm a son or I'm a daughter. To me, to me that's, that's where it starts. In the simplicity of who I am and who he has called me to be. I'm a son, I'm a daughter. Then we see, you know, the scripture says that, you know, I'm called to be a priest and a king. Mm. And, and I believe that, you know, that the aspect of the priesthood is about the intercession that we bring before him. Mm. But the aspect of the kingship is the rulership that he has entrusted me mm. with. And again, you know, I have to make this very clear. It's not me doing it but it's me in partnership with him. That's right. Because I think it was, um, I I heard Matthew Barnett saying once, he said, we have the privilege of being invited to serve. Mm. Yeah. And and so he invites us and says, okay, you know, I've given you my authority. Now you go. So I believe it begins with my sonship, but then he then says, okay, you're you're a priest and a king. And that's what we have to function within 
And also, I think, you know, sometimes we have to understand what he has given us in his word. Because so often, you know, we kind of look at even the scriptures, we look at the authority in in a kind of a worldly sense. Mm. But it's like, this is something supernatural. This is beyond mm. what we see. Mm. And where we bring his kingdom, wherever we are. So I have a story, like a couple of years ago, we organized a retreat for intercessors here in the UK with the global um, day of prayer, you know, in, uh, so we kind of got together and we were doing it. And a month before the conference, the hotels told us that they're, they're going to shut down the hotel because of structural damage. And these were intercessors from the nation. Mm-hmm. So they were coming from different places and we didn't know what to do because, you know, we could cancel this because we knew this is something God had specifically told us. And so the conference center said, look, you know, we'll give you an option. And they relocated us to a place where we didn't even want to go. <laughs> so we said, okay, you know, this last option. And, you know, so we had the conference there. But what we did not realize was that weekend, they were having a festival of the occult. Oh, wow. A mile down the road from where we were going to be. Oh, my. We came into the area on the Thursday. They were coming in on the Saturday. Now, we didn't know this, but the Lord had planned this. Mm -hmm. And so when we came together, we then realized this is not an accident of Mm -hmm. national intercessors coming together. (laughs) And that one of the largest gatherings of the occult was going to happen. And so we prayed. We exercised our authority. Mm. Because, you know, God's authority is greater than the devil's authority. (laughs) Amen. And we prayed and we said, Lord, would you spoil that? Mm-hmm. Because we do not want that to go on because that will influence this nation. And we prayed. And come Saturday morning, it poured and it poured <laughs> and it poured. <laughs> the whole weekend. That's so and, great. And, and, and they literally could not have they that, have it, have it because the field. Um, the field got flooded. No, that's not an accident. Mm. No. Mm. Yeah, that yeah. is that is that is not Praise an accident. That is for sure. <laughs> you've spoken a numerous times, or you've mentioned numerous times in our talk about how it's really a lifestyle, right? Is mm-hmm. is that a, that abiding that secret place, which is such a great mm-hmm. metaphor, I think, that secret place and how that informs our our identity in Christ and helps us to walk in that spiritual authority. We love stories. Can you just share with us some stories of of that, maybe in the people that you've discipled over the years or just in your own lives, how you've seen this lifestyle play out? Yeah, I think the simplest thing is that it was actually how we were trained under our senior leader who was Leslie Kegel. Mm. Mm. And it's how he he lived. Mm. And so anyone who, who was discipled under him had to live that way. And so, you know, an example is that you can turn up at church on a Sunday and he'll walk up to you and say, I think you're preaching today. Well, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he has done that. He has, he has called up Krishani and said, Krishani, I want you to start prophesying to the whole congregation. <laughs> and so we were taught mm. to live in this abiding mm-hmm. that it's not a program. It's not a meeting. But it's, it's it's your lifestyle. Mm. 
And so what I what I do is I when I train our young people, I just throw them into the deep end. So like, you know, if we go to pray for somebody, I immediately say, what's God telling you right now? Mm. So they know they have to be connected. They have to be, mm. you know, dwelling in that place for them to hear the Lord that they can't say, look, I, I was not prepared. I'm like, mm. no, that's not an answer. Mm. Because, you know, Jesus met people at different places. Yeah. But it all came out of that abiding. So, mm-hmm. so, so what I what I do is I, I I take them onto the streets and I say, okay, let's let's go and talk to that person. And immediately I I, I throw them and say, what is the Lord telling you? Mm-hmm. And see, again, it's where when we attempt to then listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying, we do hear Him. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times we draw back out of fear. Mm-hmm. We draw back out of fear. Like, you know, Pastor Leslie would call me around four o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. And he, said, and he would say, Sureka, we have a healing service at 4.30 and you need to go and minister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, you know I'm, I'm like having an afternoon snooze, you know, on a Saturday. <laughs> and, 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 I, and, and he calls me and literally I'm out of the house, you know, I'm going to minister. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's always been prepared and, and, and it's because, you know, you have your time with the Lord, but then also when you're walking, when you're driving, when you're cycling, you're mm-hmm. talking, mm-hmm. you're in constant communication, you're praying in the spirit. It's just who you are mm-hmm. so yeah. that, you know, you're, you're always aware of him. Yeah. And allowing him to flow through you. For it's almost like I like to use the word, the term being aware of his presence. That yes, I have my secret place time with him, but even you know, whatever I'm doing, I'm just constantly aware. Someone once preached this beautiful kind of an example of when Jesus was when he went to get baptized and how the dove came and just rested on him. When you know that there's something resting on you, you are aware of it. You don't go like a yeah. bullet in a shop, right? You don't you don't go like a walk like a headless chicken. You you're aware. So being constantly aware, and, and again, I mm. this is something we train even the younger kids, you know, to be aware that you know even when they up to mischief or something goes wrong as siblings, you know, it's even for us as adults, you know, when we go through any disagreement in a marriage or whatever, it's like oops. Okay, Lord, you know, I'm I'm running back to you yeah. because I, I want to be aware of your presence. I don't want to be away from your presence just because I got mad, you know, because some guy cut into me when I was driving. I just yeah. want to be aware. So, you know, when you're when you even when you mess up, then you just come to that place of Jesus. I'm sorry, I need you. Mm, yeah. So there's this continuous presence that, you know, and then the relationship. That just continuously flows. And it doesn't come, you know, obviously it's not a magical thing that happens overnight, Mm -hmm. but it's the process, but disciplining yourself to be aware. And and also training yourself. Yes. I think that's important Mm. that... uh, Yeah, that's true. A friend of mine says training makes permanent, not perfect. Practice practice makes permanent, Permanent, not perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like... That's a good one. Yeah. Keep doing it. Yeah. Keep doing it. Yeah. doing it yeah that's good I'm thinking that so I know even I mean myself included I tend to settle for compartmentalizing my you know spirituality let's say so like I have my church and that's kind of separate 
from everything else that I'm doing. And I love how you're describing it as it's totally integrated. The Lord is completely integrated into our lives every day, moment by moment, right? Which I think we know somehow academically, right? That that's how it's supposed to go. But, you know, life and, you know, I'm sure the UK is similar, the US, like we're busy and we do things and all of that. and, And yet how can we, I think the invitation is how can we live an integrated life? That's right. Right. And we teach that from the youngest Mm. to the oldest. One of the basic teachings we do with even a new believer is how do you hear the voice of God? Mm. Mm. When people say, pastor, I didn't really call you because I prayed and the Lord spoke to me. Mm. I'm like, that's it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's that's what it is all about. That's good. As we're talking, you, you mentioned the presence of God quite a bit. And, and you know, another thing I value about your life, I've stayed in your home. I've seen, you know, I've woken up to this unbelievable cooking, Krishani. Thank you. Um, and to the, um, I think it was the Kansas City IHOP soundtrack was going and Krishani speaking in tongues for those of you Pentecostals out there that understand kind of that prayer <laughs> language and just kind of this beautiful idea. And I remember waking up and, and coming downstairs and just thinking, you know, wow, you just kind of like sense this presence of God in this place. It's not that you're perfect or holy or your house, you know, it glows or something like that, right? It's just like, it's just, I mean, maybe it does. I don't know. It was was rainy and dark when I was but it's it's really just contending for that presence in in everyday life and and you know one of the things that you see in the old testament is how the presence of god was so normative in the life of israel mm-hmm. you know it it was the presence of god fell down and when they were going through the wilderness you know it was the uh, it was the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day the presence of god and when moses prayed with the elders the presence of God came down. You see this through the prophets, you know, with Isaiah, he sees the presence of God in the temple and the train of his robe and Ezekiel is seeing the presence of God. Um, Could you just share with us a little bit about your understanding of the presence of God and how that might look in our lives, both personally and in, in the way that we're praying for the people around us? For me personally, it's like, when I talk about the presence is that even when I'm going through, I mean, even right now, there's so much going going on, you know, mm-hmm. um, not only with the epidemic, you know, personally, for me, I'm, I'm battling with my mom's situation back home. And it, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot of stuff. But just knowing that this peace that I'm experiencing is because I'm coming under that presence, you know, it just, it just, takes away all the anxiety, takes away of you trying to control and trying to make the answer. I mean, even today I, I had to face a situation while driving down to London where my, my cousin called and it was something to do with my mom. My mom just suffered a stroke. But at the same time, it you know, it's mm-hmm. the enemy would always want to baffle you and bring confusion and try to say, oh my gosh, what's happening? You can't go. So just, you know, this is, but it's just, Taking authority, again, going back to our point, number one, you know, knowing who I am, Jesus, I'm your child, and I'm just taking this authority right now, 
and I'm just going to wait under this bubble. And I just started speaking in tongues <laughs> on the motorway. And it was like, I just felt, you know, his peace coming over. So this constant thing of, of when we talk about the presence is knowing that he's just there and all you have to do is invite him there. Yeah. The minute I shifted, shift him away is yeah. when the confusion starts. <laughs> you know, it just, you right. guys know. I mean, you don't have to spell it out. It happens, right? But yeah. for me, that is how the presence of God works. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, in a simple way, it's about the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. That's right. Mm -hmm. And allowing him to manifest himself mm -hmm. beyond me trying to control things. And yeah. so, therefore, it's like, you know, I need to be aware of that. And the way I can be aware is when I focus on him. Yeah. It's like, you know, yeah, then he fills me with joy, his peace, his love. And, you know, there are times that, you know, we, we would experience a manifest presence, uh, but it's really about him being there. Oh, it's about him sure. manifesting himself mm -hmm. so that, you know, I am, if I may say, overwhelmed mm. by him, by his fragrance, by him. And then I, I function out of that. Uh, it's interesting how, you know, even Moses, when he went up, you know, when the Lord asked him to come up for a week, the Lord didn't even speak to him because mm. uh, he wanted yeah. Moses to enjoy mm. God's presence before mm. he even started doing business with him. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think, you know, we as, you know, even for church leaders or even for the basic believer, you know, it's something that the Lord wants us to encounter because it's yeah. like you know, we are carriers of his presence. I think it's Paul who says, uh, you know, we are the fragrance of Christ. Mm. So, you know, loving that fragrance to permeate through us. That's right. Mm. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. You know, another another kind of dynamic that I don't know that we've talked about too much so far on this season is the role of the enemy kind of in our lives in this kind of spiritual battle, you know, when inherent in the idea of authority is that there's something to take authority over, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's like, I don't, you know, my child has authority over their room. Well, there's nothing in there worth having authority over, you know, <laughs> some Legos and stuff. All right. So when, when we abide in Christ, we have a very real opposition that comes to us. It's not just our inability to abide in Christ. It's, it's kind of like, you know, you're going for a jog, right? You say, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do some exercise and try to get into shape. But while you're jogging, you have this headwind 50 miles an hour <laughs> coming at you. So not only is it hard to get out of bed and jog, but you've also got this thing coming against you. What is kind of your understanding and your experience of the enemy, the devil, demons, you know, wh wherever our theological understanding will allow us to say, what is your understanding of that kind of dynamic in our prayer life? I think, you know, the devil is real. You know, there's no two words about it. But sometimes, you know, overzealous Christians kind of see the devil in places that he does not dwell. Yeah, <laughs> behind every tree, right? Yeah. Under every rock. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, you know, you know, there is a spiritual battle. You know, we, you know, we've had battles, you know, we, you know, people do have those spiritual battles. But it's knowing that, yes, that is real but not glorifying that mm. above and beyond. Mm. But as, um, Daniel, as you said, taking authority over that, you know, and again, bringing the kingdom of God That's into right. those places. Mm. 
there are places, there are cities that, you know, because of influence, you know, those have been given over mm-hmm. to demonic activity. And therefore, you know, we are called to sometimes go into those places and we are called to cleanse those places out. Mm-hmm. There have been times where, you know, I remember we, we were asked to come and pray for a house. But literally, as we went into the house, you could feel something trying to push us back. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we had to take authority. We had to pray. And it's always, again, in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't go alone. Otherwise, you know, he's going to ask, I know Paul, I know Jesus, <laughs> but, but who are you? <laughs> who are you? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and you know, you know, I have we have seen it's evil. We have seen a little boy of five years old mm. who was born dumb, mm. being set free because a demon mm. had grabbed hold of him because mm. his mother had made a sacrifice mm. before he was born, mm. wow. and 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 given that little child to a demon. Mm. And so you know, we were. We were part of a ministry team. We prayed over this little boy mm. and suddenly he was set free. Mm. And, you know, he speaks for the first time. That's right. Wow. It's really about who the ownership of property, hmm. the ownership of property, yeah. who has been given the title deed and who has come and Good. squatted, mm. you know, who's, who's squatting there. Mm. Mm. And so like, you know, even when people go into a new house, I would tell them, let's come, let's go and pray around your house. Let's mm. bring the authority of God into your house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, yes, it is real, mm. but we have been given the authority. That's what we should never forget. That's true. That we have that's Jesus true. has won the victory on the cross. Yeah. And that's the victory we stand on. And that's what we go and take back. That's what we go and take back. You know, like David, you know, like David and Goliath. Mm -hmm. You know, David said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine Mm -hmm. who defies the armies of God? He knew his authority. He knew that he his covenant. And so, you know, he he goes against the giant. But I was thinking about the Lord just reminded me here in Dunstable, we have uh, had a a lot of uh, there's a particular junction where there's so much of Mm -hmm. accidents that happen, you know. And you know, sometimes people even the church takes it very lightly. Oh, yeah, that's just coincidence. It happens. But suddenly the Lord reminded us that this has a legal right had been given to the enemy for lives to be stolen. And it was constant. And it was like where the Lord reminded us to go over there to plead the blood of Jesus and to just go on behalf of the innocent blood that was shed there and to take back, you know, take back that little property area that was that has been given to the enemy so it's like Mm -hmm. you have it face on you have the enemies working but we can counterattack that Mm -hmm. and and that is what me as a believer as a child of God and we as a church we have to do Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah and you know we have a we have a church in London and around that church there was a lot of knife crime so a lot of young people were getting killed yeah and so they, they took to the streets and they prayed their streets. They prayed over their streets. And the knife crime has come down mm. in that vicinity. And we have not had him had any more accidents here either. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, because when when the devil has been given that right, you know, he has he has the ownership to come in there. Mm. So we go and we mess it up. By, by bringing the authority, the, of, the authority of Jesus. Mm. Wow, yeah. 
And right. especially when there's killings, you know, when there's Murders, innocent yeah. blood that is being shared, mm. that's a legal right that the devil then says, I have the right to come in there. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we need to then nullify that. We need to reverse that. Mm. Yeah. By coming in. Or we have seen people who have been possessed by, by demonic forces mm. and, and, and being set free. And what a, what a joy it is to see them being set free. Mm, yeah. Again, you know, that hap- That doesn't randomly happen. It's because somewhere down the line, there has been a, a right given. Mm, yeah. So, I don't know whether I answered your question, Daniel, but... Uh, <laughs> That's really, really good. Uh, you we, more than answered have... it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah good job. <laughs> I know. I love those stories. And it's so helpful, I think, to help people visualize the kinds of things we're talking about because you know spiritual things can get a little bit esoteric you know kind of pie in the sky like wait what are we doing but to see it really in flesh and blood here on earth bringing his kingdom and it's like well what does it mean to bring your kingdom come life and life abundantly right that's right um how can we usher that in to our just normal life our normal town that's good. Yeah. You know, one of the one of the graces I think that you you two have been given anointings, uh, you know, depending on your theological stances, is really to contend for a nation, to really bring change in a nation. And one of the words that is used to bring understanding to this is is the atmosphere, right? Changing the atmosphere of a nation. And the way that I've taught it over the years is you know, think of it as we as a church, and I don't mean just a local fellowship, but we as the church, capital C, the Bride of Christ, is we are in a war, and we're always taking ground, as you say. And our day-to-day lifestyle of prayer is like the infantry, right? We're winning those little battles here and there, right? But our intercession is like the Air Force, it comes in and it's dropping the bombs, right? And and kind of paving the way for the for the infantry to come in. And so atmosphere, the way I've taught people or explained it to people, is like the Air Force. In our intercession, in our contending, we're dropping those bombs. We're creating an atmosphere conducive for the Spirit of God to move. So even before we get there, the Holy Spirit has been working, right? So what is maybe your understanding, maybe how you could help people who maybe feel also this call to intercede for a nation or a city, to bless a city? What kind of help could you maybe offer them? Kind of sharing a little bit about our story. For us, really, we began to see change happening when we were ready to say, we are ready to weep for the land. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We had to make a shift, and I believe the Holy Spirit was really leading us Mm. to make a shift to say, this is our home. We were born in Sri Lanka, but this is our home, and we love this land. So I think that's that's the first thing, that you have to love the land and its people people that you are interceding for. Mm. Um, You know, that, that you're willing to weep for the land. You're willing to weep for people. And so that's that's the first thing, but it may not be the most exciting ministry. <laughs> <laughs> and when you say it may not, you mean it is not, it right? Is not. <laughs> <laughs> because you know it requires persistence. 
it requires persistence and you have to be persistent in what you're doing. So sometimes, you know, it may be where, you know, you come together, you're praying and it's like, nothing is happening. Mm, yeah. but, it, but you are releasing, <laughs> Daniel, as you said, you're releasing bombs <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that are not yet exploding. Mm-hmm. Mm. But you are very strategic mm-hmm. in the way that you are praying. Mm-hmm. You know, Isaiah refers to the watchman. Yeah. And, and that's who the intercessors are. They watch over the land. Mm. They don't allow anything to pass them by. Mm-hmm. They are committed. And, and, you know, there's a great ministry in intercession. Sometimes that is downplayed because they don't, you know, it's not up there on the podium. Yeah. But it's a group of warriors, mm. you know, who are spiritually in tune with the Lord, being led by the Holy Spirit, mm. you know, through even the scriptures, them praying for their cities, praying for their nation. Mm. And it's like that persistent the con- consistency that will see the atmospheres beginning to change because a strategic prayer, it's not a two-minute prayer and that's it, I have prayed, but it is praying through, praying mm. through mm. till you see the breakthroughs come. Mm. Mm. And most often when you're talking about changing the atmosphere of a nation, it's saying let the church unite and pray. Mm. Let the church unite and pray because because I believe God is called, you know, a nation cannot be changed by one church. It has yeah. to be changed by the church. That's right. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, in our city, you know, the pastors, we come together every week and we pray. And the unity that's built up out of that is yeah. phenomenal. Mm. That we don't promote any church name, anything, but it's like we are here for the city. Mm-hmm. And it's like we are governing the city mm. you know we have yeah. our mayor we have our member of parliament you know they're right. doing what they're doing but we are governing our city through That's prayer right. and we are seeing that the prayer being manifested in the way that the local mayor or the local mp is governing mm. and you know something that I, I feel strongly is also that we have to take a kingdom position mm. not an earthly whether it's political or nationalistic position, but it's a kingdom yeah. position. Your kingdom identity Trump. supersedes Trump every, everything, everything yeah. else, mm. which is so important. Mm. Because I think, you know, sadly, you know, I've seen even in this season where the church sometimes has lost its voice, it has lost its focus because it's become more of a earthly organization. Yeah than the spiritual organization that we have been called to because Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Yeah. For me, that's part of that intercessory, the strategic prayer to pray over the nation. And it's always, I I see it as the church uniting to pray. And it could take years. It could take years. Yeah. But you will see the the breakthroughs coming. Anything you want to add to that? We summed it. (laughs) That was good. Yeah. yeah. Let me just ask the last question of our time in regards to that abiding prayer and the secret place and our authority in Jesus and prayer as a lifestyle and the kingdom advance, strategic prayer, the presence of God, the atmosphere, you know, all of the topics that we've discussed. In your understanding, in your experience, maybe better, 
of being able to travel, I mean, extensively across Europe for sure, but you guys have been to the States numerous times and different places in Asia. Where do you see that the church is falling short in its teaching and practice when it comes to strategic activating prayer? You know, this is this is not a criticism of the church, mm. but I think it's having a deep understanding of the need and what it can do. Mm. I believe that is so important because, you know, when you see, when you understand about something and when you see that, yes, this is what we are struggling to kind of achieve and, you know, you start trying into that area, you know, that's what you're going to go for. So it's where the church should never downplay prayer. That's right. Yeah. You know, whether it's abiding prayer, whether it's the strategic prayer, you know, the kingdom prayer, because this is what God has called us to do. This is what Jesus has, you know, entrusted us with. And that's how he, you know, he never went into ministry without praying through the night. Yeah. Wow. And so, you know, if we, you know, this may be a bit drastic, but, you know, if we are the church of God, we need to hear what the Lord is saying. And to hear what the Lord is saying, we need his strategies and we need to spend time in his presence. Mm. If not, we are, we are namesake Christians. We are trying to establish the church by ourselves. Mm. Mm. But Jesus said, you know, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And in that section in Matthew, it talks, I mean, Jesus speaks about revelation, mm. but it comes out of that abiding mm. presence. It mm. comes and not to sacrifice or no, not to say, look, yeah, you know, okay, you want to pray, let's take five minutes, but the other things are more important. No, mm. I, w- I would think prayer is more important because the other things yeah. will come into place. Mm. When, when prayer is given, Mm. It's mm. it's proper priority. Yeah, my view, uh, similar to Surek, is also the the performance based church. You know, is mm. I think that this season of COVID has brought everything down. I know for us as a nation, you know, the performance has dropped to zero because there is nothing yeah. that we can perform on. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's that basic place of, you know, the, uh, I know Matt Redman had this beautiful song where the music fades and all is stripped away. I'm coming to that heart of worship and coming to that place of presence where we, uh, me as the church, you as the church, we, when we come into that place of wanting his presence, mm-hmm. you know, that can change my home, that will change my neighborhood my city, mm-hmm. and my nation. So it's all back to that one individual person. I mean, you were sharing earlier, Christine, about how someone had, you know, just slipped up, uh, a church leader. You know, all these things are back to that place of I need to be responsible with my walk with Jesus. I need to be aware of his presence. And for me to be aware of his presence, I can't just have a five-minute time of prayer and expect to do this huge performance when I go up the stage because it's going to come to that basic place of where am I with Jesus? What is my relationship with him? And it's down to prayer, my conversation with him and he yeah. with him. So that's basic yeah. for me, you know. Yeah, experiencing the reality of prayer right. and, and also what the fruit of that. Mm. Because I think, you know, there are a lot of leaders who are tired because they've been doing stuff. Before. They have forgotten yeah. to be in the presence. Right. It's almost a Mary and Martha situation. Yeah. We've been running That's around true. complaining about this church, that church, <laughs> and yeah. or, or, 
or you know whatever yeah because Comparing. whereas we've forgotten to yeah. sit at the foot of jesus yeah to live okay. out of out of that place that's right and i think yeah. you know so yeah well, thank That's you. That's so good. I feel like I need to be. I know. Excuse me. I'm going to go abide now. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be back in five minutes, right? Right. <laughs> I feel like I need to be obedient to what I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying to me. And normally we would stop our time at this time. But I really, I've just have this thought that's been going over and over of ask them about prayer in the home. And, you know, let's take it down from the nations, right? Let's just take it down from we have children and we have a spouse. And Jesus has given us a place of authority in our children's lives, in our homes. Talk to us a little bit about what that means to take authority in your home, to be strategic in prayer over your children, over your spouse. I was thinking of a time where I was really being something else, man, just as a husband. And Kristen came up, got right in my face, and she's like, Satan, get thee behind me. And I was like, <laughs> are you like, so are you telling me I'm Satan? You know, so the the the, the fight didn't get any better at that point. <laughs> and, and but eventually I realized what she was doing in that time. Like she's she's taking authority over that thing that was coming against us. So I just, I don't know if this is like a prophetic time right now, but just talk to us about our homes. What I would like to say is, number one, is our personal time is key. And that is something that we have taught our boys from from day one. Even, you know, when when they get into liquid disagreements, even now, I mean, our eldest is 24, youngest is 17. You know, it's, it's that place of we know when it's, not where it should be. And it's almost that the, the Holy Spirit gives you that sensitivity Sense. and also that leading to say, okay, this is not right. So it's, you know, it's that culture of prayer that you build up as a married couple, you know, I said as personally, but also then together with Zurich and I, you know, just uh, bring prayer as the key place. They begin to grow in that. And, you know, it's funny now when I hear my sons, you know, when they're mentoring younger ones, it's like, you know, they're saying stuff that we have out there. And, you know, it's so it's kind of this cycle of of prayer, of authority, of being so connected to Jesus is they know they can't exist without that. Yeah. And also, like, as a family is coming together to pray. Yes, yes. Mm. And not sacrificing that because there's a great program on TV now. Mm. Mm. That's so important because, mm. you know, I, I think, you know, many families, you know, individuals pray, but it's coming together. That's been a challenge. But you have to, you know, in this day and age, you have to, because that's when you bring your family together. And I believe that that prayer also unites the family. Yeah. It unites, you know, especially if you have, you know, kids in their teenage years or, you know, it it unites them because, you know, if they've been growing into this, then it's a natural thing. But also I believe that the Lord's given us as parents to to begin with authority over our home Mm. and to say, look, this is not right. You know, this is not right in the eyes of the Lord, not not because it's not right in my eyes. No, it's not right in the eyes of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And there are times that you have to exercise that authority, not as a dictator, but as how Jesus would. 
but taking that authority and saying, no, I will not allow this. Mm. You know, for example, in our home, we will not allow disrespect. Mm. And so that's a given. With the in our home, we will not tolerate lying. Mm. So we have to bring those authorities in. Mm. There are times where you know we have prayed and we have sensed it. Suddenly, it's like go check, you know, one of the boys' mm. computers, oh. and it's like, oh, wow. Mm. And it's not because God wants to point out somebody and no. shame them, mm. but it's because He wants to protect uh, the unit of the family. That's right. Mm-hmm. And the way he protects it is by the family coming together in prayer, mm. filling the house with prayer and being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Mm. And sometimes, you know, culture may say one thing, but the kingdom culture says a different right. thing. Absolutely. And you embrace kingdom culture. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah. for me, I just want to add that, you know, for me as a, as a wife, as a mother, it's always been the security and the trust of knowing that my husband, you know, even when he was working on a full-time basis, that time he would have with Papa God, no one could touch that. And that was the strength even of our marriage. We were, you know, when while we were working, even while we were doing ministry full-time, that has been the strength because I always, it's like the, the Lord has always told me, he's with me, so don't you worry. This is going to be okay. And that has been my security as an earthly sense to know that because my husband is so tuned with God and he will not let anything disturb him. I'm telling you. <laughs> I kicked the wife out. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and that discipline, I know even my, my our sons are, are learning okay, that yeah. as they become husbands and fathers in the future, you know, so that's... Yeah. That's um, something else that I have been I have done with my boys is that since the little small age mm. is that I would spend time in prayer with them as a father and son. Mm. And so every morning before they would go to school, even now, you know, you know, Sean is, you know, old, he's 24. But with Shamindra, he still comes, spends 15 minutes with me in prayer and I share a word with him mm. and we pray together. Mm. You know, even when we go abroad, we do that. Even when we go abroad, we do that. And I think it's giving priority to that prayer that helps the family to be together. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm really struck by what you talk about, Krishani, with that sensitivity to what's going on in your home. And I think this mm. is the thing I admire most about Kristen is, is that sensitivity that she has with our kids. Because, you know, for me, I'm just a very logical bullet point. And for me, it's like, okay, you have your chore charts and you have your, you know, things and da-da-da, and that's all good. And as long as we're all keeping there, then everything's fine. But Kristen really has that gifting to really see, like, no, there are underlying issues even though they're getting good grades, even though they're cleaning up their room, there's still other things underneath. And then one of the things I've noticed as a parent is where maybe we have separated ourselves from some other people is the understanding that there's a there's something going on underneath, right? It's not the drinking. It's not the, they didn't pick up their room. It's not the disrespectful talk that that in itself is the issue. There's something going on. And so what I see with most parents is they're not able to parent because they're not abiding. They're not in that secret place. What their child actually needs, they don't have the understanding of that. Yeah. Is that yeah. Yeah. safe? Would you want to add something to that, Kristen? 
like the way I describe it is kind of like what we were talking about earlier with taking authority over a place. I think it's similar in our children's lives that there are these things that, you know, we're all created differently. So we all have weaknesses that are different and there's going to be ways that the enemy comes at us. You know, it's different. Each one of my kids, I have, we have four, each one of them has different places where they are weak. And I feel like it's my job as their mother. I tell them all the time, I will not let you be a person who grows up to wallow in self-pity. That is, well, we call it yucky at our house. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm saying that, you know, that is wicked. That is the enemy. That is not what God has for your life, right? So part, I mean, that's kind of my, I talk about it forever. My passion and wanting to encourage parents is notice that even with your one year old, you can see rage is trying to take that kid. That's right. Uh, right. And I will not let rage. Oh, yeah. I, get, I get all fired up. I will not. Re- I will not let rage rule your life. Yes. And so exactly. My job as your mom is to take authority over that mm-hmm. rage and say no more. No I will more. not let it live here. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry. So. Um, well, I think what you're trying yeah. to say, Kristen, is there's this whole aspect of parenting that comes only through prayer. Right. Exactly, exactly. Because God is the greatest parent. Yeah. Yes. And so, therefore, I need to go to Him to talk to Him about my kids mm, yeah. before I take any action and hearing what is He saying about them. Mm, yeah. yeah. And, and He knows if they're struggling with something, mm. He knows if I'm frustrated with mm. them. He will say, hey, it's okay. I've got them. Mm. Yeah. But it's like we have to talk to the Lord about our kids and ask him what he thinks about them. Yeah. And, you know, all these points that you've been, that we've been talking about, especially, you know, the atmosphere, right? The atmosphere of a nation. Yeah. Well, the atmosphere of your home, mm-hmm. right? I'm, I'm interceding. I'm okay. praying, right? This, is a, this yeah. is a place of grace and forgiveness and mercy and love. It's also, you know, hearing the voice of the Lord in my secret place mm-hmm. for where do you want me to pray? It's about taking authority, right? Where the enemy comes into our children's lives and unknowingly perches himself, you know, kind of takes that authority. Well, we need to come in. It's so relevant to our everyday lives. Oh, yeah. Last, last thing here. I know I keep saying last thing. Sorry. Um, last thing for the wayward child, right? The one who it's moved beyond just a bad day (laughs) or we need to come together in prayer. I mean, there's a lot of parents out there with wayward children. Like, how do we pray for that? What I've experienced in my times of just talking to moms, especially with, you know, children who have just gone into those, you know, rebelliousness and all that kind of thing. Number one is don't go nagging. Stop the nagging, but show the agape love of God. That's number one. And just release prayer because always know that your prayer the prayer of a fervent mom that the <laughs> Lord always hears. And he will always, always, always lead us into, into the things that we need to pray. I mean, I've had testimonies of moms just simply doing that, just releasing prayer even over the child's room and the pillow they sleep on, just a, just soaking them, soaking soaking them, them in the presence with of the prayer. presence, especially when the child is not around. 
It's just that is what's going to change the very behavior that the child would have and taking authority, like we were saying, you know, like what you were saying, Christian, it's just yeah. just so, so important, even for that rebellious child, even for yeah. the black mm-hmm. child. It's just praying him back or praying yeah. her back. Calling them forth, calling, calling them, them back, back to the kingdom. the kingdom. That's right. Um, yeah. And, and, but, and don't give up. Don't give up. Yeah. Well, those behaviors are just behaviors, right? It you yeah. because I really want to get at the spirit underneath yes. those behaviors, right? Yes, that's good. Yes. Mm. yes, yes. Well, good stuff, guys. Thank you. Yes, um, thank you, guys, both for being here. Yeah, we we certainly really appreciate good. it. Uh, it's been too long since we've but had a chance to be together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't tell you we're just getting going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole second page. Yeah, you didn't you didn't flip the notes over, did you? <laughs> but we we do want to thank you guys for your insight. I want to thank you first of all for your friendship over the years. Wow. It's just love knowing you both and what an inspiration you've been to us and to so many. So God bless you for that. Thank you for your uh, just inspiring and encouraging words to our audience. Let me just ask you this if someone wanted to get in contact with you or they wanted to maybe give to what you're doing there in the UK, how might they go about contacting you or giving portals or resources that you have, something along those lines? I guess the the best would be, I have a Facebook page under my name. I have a YouTube channel or just email me Mm. at uh, sureka67 at me.com. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, great. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Only on a Sunday. Next time we have the opportunity to interview Anne DeLicer, who is the leader of the local houses of prayer movement out of Fafalda Brennan, Wales in the UK. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast and feel free to check out what we're doing at the lowrysonmission.org or on Facebook at the Lowry's on Mission. If you like what we're doing here in the podcast and the issues that we're bringing up on our webpage, there is an opportunity for you to give. And we would certainly love to have you partner with us in what the Holy Spirit is doing. So once again, thanks for joining us and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.